Businesswire.com states by 2025, the home, the global home decor market is roughly going to be a $792 billion opportunity. This includes home textile, floor covering, furniture, and other parts of home decor. The best part about today's episode is we get to speak to someone who's already in the industry and it's black owned. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. We are here for another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, We actually had an episode way in the beginning of the Black Equity Podcast where we actually studied, uh, there was a story in the Carolinas about um, uh, these kids picking cotton, forced to pick cotton on a field trip. And it became this kind of a national story. And so we did a deep dive into trying to understand well, what is going on with that situation and then understanding the cultural significance of, of cotton. And I remember about six months ago, I found about, I found out about this company uh, on Instagram. And so uh, after about six months, I finally got the nerve to, to reach out and, and uh, learn about this company. And here we are today with Julius Fiori uh, of Black Cotton. Are you there, Julius? Yes, I'm here. Glad to be here. Welcome. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about you and your company. Well, um, BlackCotton.us, we are a raw cotton uh, home decor and accessory business. Basically, I, I outrun a fifth generation farm with my father. We grow cotton and soybeans in like a row, row crop um, form. And um, what I'm doing with Black cotton is taking a small percentage of our conventionally cotton, uh, grown cotton and making products with it in my rural county and black majority rural, rural town and trying to sell it across the country. And where are you located? We're in northeast North Carolina and in, okay. uh, in a county called Northampton County. The office, the black cotton office is in Garysburg, North Carolina, and the yeah. farm is in Rich Square, North Carolina. Okay, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina, so I know I know you right up the road. Not close, but you are right up the road. That's uh, right. So 
So part of what your operation is doing is for traditional use with cotton. And then you're taking a, a portion of the cotton to uh, create this brand uh, and line for home decor. Is, am I understanding that correctly? That's perfectly right. Um, we raise about 50 acres of cotton each year. And for the black cotton business, I've been using about half an acre of cotton. But that's still a good amount of cotton if you raise right, right. cotton conventionally. Mm-hmm. So how long has the farm been in your family? So uh, my family has been farming, you know, been farming industry all, as long as I know. Like wow. uh, the, the history of my family is my name is Julius Tillery. So we, there's a town not far away from where my family farm is, about 20 miles away, named Tillery, North Carolina. So we're descendants from Tillery, North Carolina. And in 1871, my great great grandfather he was the first freeborn person in my family so that's wow. really where my family lineage began and uh he bought a farm in the beginning of the 20th centuries like somewhere in the 1910s in rich square north carolina uh he uh, he bought the farm and he had a son with him that's my great grandfather i was named after my great grandfather so uh, oh. they moved to rich square where the family farm is now so what was your first experience with cotton what 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 are your first memories with you being introduced uh to cotton and looking back on it how has that shaped where you are now well um, i've been doing it all my life so i remember riding on my dad's lap you know on a tractor so probably when i was like four or five i always be on a tractor like growing up with my dad like i just be on right beside him or either on his lap when i was little and um you know the industry has changed a little bit like uh in the past, uh, I've never seen hand-picked cotton, but in the past, we used to have the combines, and they would dump cotton into wagons, and people right. would have to walk, walk the cotton down. That was like one, one of my jobs. I just go on the cotton, on the cotton trailer and walk it down so they try to make it as tight as possible before it goes off to a gym. But I remember doing that before I was 10 years old, and I've always been a part of the planting, the, the maintenance, and the harvesting of the crops each year. Wow. And so when did you make that decision uh, I've been around this my entire life. I want to make sure that I build a brand of my own around it. When did you make that decision? It really started in 2016. Uh, I've been in I've been in agriculture since I graduated from college. I went to UNC Chapel Hill, and uh, I, I graduated 2008. And I went okay. to North Carolina A&T, did a little graduate studies, and I started working in agriculture, the industry, like in 2009. And from 2009 to 2015, I've always worked with farmers and did different things. And I've even started trying to do like different uh, crops. Like I raised mushrooms, um, shiitake mushrooms on my family farm, soda restaurants. Uh, we, we do kale, uh, we, like we grow some uh, vegetables. So I tried the vegetable thing uh, and that's cool too. And I still do that with our uh, farmer's market in Garysburg, North Carolina. I sell in our neighborhood locally. But uh, and I sell some greens too. I sell greens in Durham sometimes as well, like right. especially with the black, the black uh, August and the part black farmers market they put on. So I sell some vegetables with them as well, some, a couple times. But uh, this this cotton thing has been something I was intrigued to do because it has the capabilities for us to scale up and be really be a big business because we raise so much cotton and um, I just felt like the potential for my farm to grow and really for. Uh, African-Americans to really make a dent in the industry, cotton was the way. So tell us a little bit about some of the products and services with uh, Black Cotton uh, U.S. Is that the correct way to say it? 
Yeah, Black Cotton US. It's really that's the website, and that's my social media for, uh, for uh, IG. But it's like www.blackcotton.us. Or you don't have to put www, but blackcotton.us. That takes you straight to our website. Okay. And, um, we have like products, home decor products, and, uh, briefs. We do bouquets. So, like basically, what we try to do is products using cotton as like a floral product. Uh, we calling it the new rose right now because you know how like when you buy a dozen roses, um, mm. they in a week. Yeah, but see yeah. with black cotton and our products, they don't go bad. They last for a lifetime. We try to tell people that when you decorate with black cotton, anything is possible. So you know, people typically, you know, they're intrigued by the cotton. It when it's in your home, it serves like as a conversation starter piece. People be intrigued by it, so it's something you can always tell people. You know where you got it from and who the people involved. And one of the motives for starting this business, like that we that in this decor world is. A lot of people don't know where their products come from. Yeah. You know, so like even we like we wear cotton products all the time, but we don't know the conditions of the people who work to make these products. And a lot of times with um cotton business, the people who make the most money from cotton are the ones that's furthest away from the fields. And I wanted to make a change in the industry so that the people who's closest to the fields and the ones who's actually doing stuff with this cotton can actually make some good money from it. You know, I'm trying to change the change the dynamics of cotton in a way. So let's let's dive into that. How do you how do you change that, and how can people who are listening help change that? Well, let me tell you just about the cotton industry in general. Like okay. where I'm from in North Carolina, we we raise the most cotton in the state. Halifax and Northampton counties; these are two counties that make up the Roanoke Valley region, North Carolina. We're the number one and number two producers of cotton in the state, but however, we're two of the poorest counties in the state at the same time. Mm. Cotton uh, basically gets a worldwide price of like 70 some cents per pound. It gets, you know, maybe 80 cents, but it fluctuates between 60, 80, 90 cents a pound. And that's not really a good amount of money. So if you want to equate that to what that what that means to the farmer in a T-shirt, uh, every T-shirt a farmer might get, you know, 30 cents. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that's pretty much the equate of like what it looks like. And. I've always worked in cotton and we've always grown so many pounds of cotton. And I say, dad, how can we do this much work in cotton? But we can't even afford clothes in, in these uh, stores and whatnot. And it just made me think that we need to reverse how people look at these products and make sure that they know that they're getting products from people who they know and want to support. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when it comes to like black farm, and uh, the cotton industry, there used to be millions of black people in the cotton industry. Now, literally, there's less than maybe 50 black farmers that's growing cotton in the whole country. I don't even really believe it's 50. I, I, I only know three personally. Mm. And, you know, and that's me being out here for three years promoting the business and, and looking for cotton farmers, black cotton farmers. Now, I, I only know three or four personally. But I hear, when I look at the stats, it looks like it's somewhere, you know, less of, you know, 30 Really. So black. For, from what you what you're seeing in, in the in the industry, why do you think that is? Why do you think it, it tailored off so much? Well, in the farming industry in general, we just lost a lot of interest in the in the industry because uh it's not an industry that makes a lot of money. And then you gotta talk about the conditions of the work you gotta do. It can be hard work. Um it also requires a lot of risk. Like for me to do my cotton crop each year, it costs me about eight thousand dollars just to put in the crop. 
So let alone, if you don't have that type of money just to even put it in, you can't do it. And, and then you talk about you need the equipment to be able to do it, the knowledge to be able to do it. Um, you, you might want to be a part of a, a, a co-op that's going to guarantee your product gets sold. It's just a lot. Of, it's, it's complicated. And if you're not born into the business, it's, it's a hard, it's no way you really can get into the business. So who, who do you think within the supply chain of cotton, who's making the most money and how do we reposition uh, your company to make sure that you're getting a, a bigger chunk of it? What can we do uh, as investors and, and here on, on the podcast to help make sure that you're getting more than 30 cents a shirt? Well, I, I can't control that. It's a really big micro business. I mean, like yeah. the top here, figures, the Ralph Lawrence, the people who's in Macy's, you know, these labels, man, they have a lot of power of moving a lot of cotton, you know, pound per pound. If you ever heard of Cotton Incorporated, what they really care about is um, selling cotton for all of our cotton products in the country. Like, how do we get our farmers to sell more cotton? And these um, manufacturers, I mean, these label people like Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, et cetera, they push a lot of cotton moving. So that's a lot of, you know, they get a lot of attention, a lot of connections. This really micro level business. Now, for my business, Black Cotton, I just, mm-hmm. people can just, you know, instead of buying stuff from Asia and Walmart for gifts, like during gift season, think about buying something from some, for someone that's going to actually mean something. Everybody that I know that buy our products, they, they constantly tell me how they don't want to throw it away or move it away because it means something to them. So I'm just encourage more people to support us by buying our products because they're going to mean something to you later on because they have value. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, you know, for me, it's, it's high end, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's a, a more sophisticated way of, you know, decorating your home. And then with it being black owned, uh, to me, that elevates it to a whole nother level uh, <laughs> that, you know, we have to appreciate. And I, I really, can't imagine why every single investor, every entrepreneur, really everybody within the culture would not get involved uh, with your products and services since they are tailor-made for us. And they have historical uh, meaning for us that we really should appreciate uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I haven't really worked with any investors yet. This has been pretty much a bootstrap business, you know, very lean model i mean i i'm in a rural area doing this business because it's, it it allows me to afford to be in business like uh, my business office is in garrysburg north carolina where i'm paying 50 dollars a month for a business office but if i was in durham north carolina i couldn't afford paying five thousand dollars for the same amount of space you know what i mean yeah so that's something else i think about as millennials is how we spend our money like, i'm the full owner of black cotton and i want to keep that integrity and uh intact just for this you know first level of your business i'm open to you know investors but if for all my family is put into this business nobody has taught this, the amount of money they'll make me interested in working with them if that makes right. sense and when i say investors it doesn't necessarily have to be that they're trying to um get any type of equity in your business but i'm just mm-hmm. saying as investors who may be listening to the show uh the greatest way to invest is to be a customer to be a absolutely client. And you know what? You don't even have to be a customer or a client. Just be a, a supporter. You know, like 
likes on Instagram and Facebook really connects us to other people. Also shares, they really mean so. Also, if you have a nice event and you want to have, um, exactly. if you're looking for meetups, you know, please reach out to us. We love to be at your events. Um, we, we do a bunch of that. We really focus on our ground game more so than even our just online game. Like we sell stuff across the country online, but we love being at your events. We love being at your, you know, being at your events and representing the company wherever you are. Now, you know, I've been talking about Sip and Share Wine for quite some time. Now you have a chance to enter for a free giveaway. The Conjurer bottle, which is the old vine Zinnavelle, is now available uh, for a free giveaway. Here is how you enter. You follow Sip and Share Wines over on Instagram. That's Sip and Share Wines. You like the post that is tagged giveaway and you tag at least five friends. Comment below that post and share with us your favorite red wine. Now for a bonus entry, tag two more friends with an additional comment. This giveaway closes October 31st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. Winner will be announced on November 1st in the Sip and Share Wine story with a direct message. By entering, participants confirm they are of the age of 21 or older, open to U.S. residents only. Now, back to the show. Uh, I thought a really great product placement for your company would be uh, art museums, Black-owned art museums, Black-owned mm-hmm. art galleries. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you think that would be a, a, a good place? You know, because a lot of those places, they need uh, to create an ambiance. And, and the best way to do that is with the proper decor. Well, I tell you what, I've already just started doing a little bit of that. Like okay. I've had, I've had some products in the African American Museum in Philadelphia. Nice. Um, I, I've had, uh, I have some products in um, art gallery in Milwaukee, uh, Fifth Five Points Art Gallery. That's black owned art gallery, and I want to be able to reach out and be in touch with more art, black owned art galleries and more black museums. I'm actually meeting today with. Uh, uh, black owned museum. No, well, the North Carolina African American Museum mm-hmm. in Raleigh uh, with Michelle Lanier. It's something with the cultural arts, and I'm, I'm, they're trying to think about. They they want to see some samples and some products. So I'm trying to get into more museums and uh, and art galleries. Definitely, All right, yeah. That's part of the plan. You know, and w- it, I kind of visit those a lot. It's kind of uh, a place that I really enjoy when I'm going around the country. And so what I want to make sure that I'm doing is this episode serves as documentation of the truth. And so mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm sitting down and I'm talking to someone, I'll say, hey, pull up this episode, because I think this would be a really great partnership you know, mm-hmm. for you. And then also it serves as a way to um, uh, for people to quickly get access to well, what am I talking about without me having to explain it for an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, I really can see that all across the country, uh, your products and services should really be uh, implemented and embedded within the culture. And, um, you know, it really makes no sense why it wouldn't. Absolutely. You know, I'm, you know, still a small business, but I'm hoping to be able to be in more places across the state, uh, across the country this year. I know I've sold products up probably over 35 now. But I, I think I need to have more saturation. Like, I need to be in more stores and more visible places in, instead of just homes, you know, if that makes any sense. No, no. Per- I, I see exactly the, the vision. It makes perfect sense. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll definitely be paying attention to that and 
if I see anything that's coming through, I'll send you a message uh, mm -hmm. on that. Um, uh, and I want to ask your audience if they know any museums or uh, art galleries that you would love to see BlackCon.us in. Please just respond to this this post, uh, this uh, this episode, and I'll find it, and I'll I'll try to find a way to be in contact with those uh, museum and art gallery leaders. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so let me ask this: uh, as mm -hmm. we see your 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 moving in a in a space that very few people that look like you and I are moving in, are you coming across uh, anything that you would consider to be um, uh, negativity or blockage because of of you you know because of being part of black culture, being black? Are you seeing any? thing out there that is trying to uh, stop you from succeeding at what you're doing? I don't think um, uh, people of different cultures have an issue with me. I think more so people may try to, people who are just in business may not want to see another thriving business coming around them. Gotcha. If that makes sense. It's because, like, in regards to the agriculture scene, I have a lot of white farm friends. And uh, the reason I have so many of these white farmer allies and friends and uh, associations is because uh, I just tell, speak the truth about the industry. I don't really try to get caught up in uh, divisive uh, politics and, you know, combating uh, ideas with uh, a various ideas. We all have ideas and biases, but what, when it comes to production of products, I'm pro agriculture and pro farmer because I trust the people who do the work more so than people who have ideas about the work. Mm, I like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I have people come to me sometimes and they'll say, Are, is your cotton organic? And I'd be like, well, no, it's not certified organic. And some people I've had fewer people be like, well, you're destroying the environment. And I'll be like, well, if you're not business i mean you, you have ideas on it but if you are in this business i would listen to you because what you're you you're actually walking what you're talking you know what i mean it's it's easy to say what you're going to do until you in that situation you have to do you know what i mean yeah yeah and so and so, so you you lean more on people that are already in the industry that have some type of credibility in what they're saying rather than someone on the outside uh, just making commentary. Making comments. I mean, and that, that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate ideas and advice, but yeah. when it comes to getting getting the work done, the people who's doing the work are have more credibility in telling me how to do it than someone who just has some ideas. I like it. I like it. And, so out, uh -huh. outside of your traditional uh, partnerships, things that would uh, be aligned with agriculture. We talked about uh, the museums. Uh, we talked about the art galleries. Are there other uh, non-traditional uh, areas that you would love to, to see your uh, company, um, you know, be positioned into? I think of uh, Black-owned uh, cigar shops and Black-owned wine shops. Mm -hmm. Are there other non-traditional pairings that you could potentially see for your company? Well, I can take, give you an example. Uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, there's a restaurant, Out of Bees Table. It's in downtown Baltimore. They have literally cotton um, vases all around the restaurant. And uh, they pretty much made the restaurant like a shrine for cotton with all the co cotton around it. 
And I would love just to have more restaurants that I can have products in. So if you know of a black-owned restaurant that needs some fresh um, decor, you know, for the culture, let me know. Mm-hmm. Get, get me in touch with them, and uh, I'll be I'll make sure to make it happen. But that's just well, we- an example. Um, another group of people that I like connecting with is interior decorators, like okay. you know, home decor people, um, florists. I love people who like I, I love connecting with those type of people as well. Uh, we can make relationships. Please get me in contact with your favorite florists and interior decorators. I want to give a shout out to Nephi Walker. She's having a pop-up shop event October 26th in Newark, New Jersey. Look up Nephi Walker if you're on Instagram. She's just amazing. I'd love to be able to connect with more interior decorators. Definitely the ones like inspired like Nephi Walker. I love it. I love it. So you yourself, you have an upcoming tour. Tell us a little bit about the tour that you have coming up uh, so people can be informed on that. Well, um, there's two ways we offer this tour. People are, we're always inviting to people to come to our farm uh, in North Carolina. We call this the Black Cotton Tour. We show you around where we make our products at the uh, Black Cotton office in Garrisburg, and we tour the family farm. You see where everything's come from in regards to our products, in regards to how we grow it, and the tools and tractors and resources we use around it. That's one part of the tour. And the second part of the tour is when we go out and do a v- vendor events and uh, different speaking ag- arrangements and agreements. So like, I'm going to do an event in Raleigh, North Carolina, the Connect the Culture event in uh, mm-hmm. October 16th. Check that out, Connect the Culture event. Uh, I think it's connected to Shaw Homecoming, um, Shaw University Homecoming. Then um, October 23rd, I'm going to be in Baltimore at Adabee's Table. We're going to be there from lunch all the way through dinner. Um, I know we may have some kind of speaking event but uh, in that restaurant, but we're going to also have a setup where all our products is at. You know, definitely come by early, get your fall decor, and, you know, get some even early Christmas gifts, you know, people. Mm-hmm. If you want to get something unique, you can check us out. We got some really fly jewelry. Everything we make, we try to make it unique so that you don't have to see people who have exactly the same thing you have. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a very unique thing. Check out our page uh, at blackcotton.us on Instagram. You can get an understanding of, like, how unique we try to make each product. Yeah, I definitely I I checked it out. I already know that I'm going to be uh, scooping up a few items. I'm already excited about that because, like you said, for me it's a timeless piece. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh to me it's it's really art. And that's the way I view it. I view it as a, an art piece in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, support and, and be part of the movement. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that. Definitely. Well, uh, you you gave the website, so people are going to go ahead and reach out, and they're going to, uh, you know, go on your website, check out everything that you have going on. I'm excited for the brand, and what I'm going to do is uh, some of the uh, things that you were saying as far as who you want to partner with, I have some ideas. I'm going to send you some information of some some Black-owned restaurants that I think would be a good fit. And then also I'm going to gather up some, some intel on the, the museum and the art galleries as well. Because I want to see our people win. Mm-hmm. And I want to see us win major. So I look forward to seeing the growth of, of Black Cotton. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Appreciate you having me on your platform. And I, um, one of our sayings is cotton is our culture. Let's grow together. I'm looking forward to growing with you, brother. As well. Ditto. I, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, we'll be talking again soon. Thank you to Julius Tillery for coming on the Black Equity Podcast to tell us more about blackcotton.us. 
what a wonderful conversation. Uh, a really great introduction to those who haven't necessarily uh, checked out this website yet. So check out the website. Be part of the movement. Black owned home decor. Uh, where this industry is headed, there's nowhere else to go but up as far as growth because it's going to be expanding over the next five to six years. And so you want to make sure that you're supporting your Black-owned businesses in this area. And then also, if you're an investor, you want to pay attention to this sector as well. So if you're interested in investing in this sector, interested in knowing more about BlackCotton.us, make sure you head over to their website. If you're interested in investing in the sector, hit me up. Let's put some ideas together and let's see what we can do uh, collectively, as long as we're aligned with our same principles. Once again, great episode of Black Equity Podcast, and we'll have another one for you tomorrow.